Welcome, friends. Welcome to a new episode of the Soul Kitchen. I'm talking with Andrew Forstheuvel from Maine in the US. He's a writer and peace activist and group facilitator. And um, when he was uh, 23, he walked through America for 4,000 miles and wrote a book about it, Walking to Listen. I'm very curious to learn uh, more about that. How are you, uh, Andrew? I'm beautiful. Thank you so much for yeah inviting me into this conversation thank you yeah i'm looking forward to um to learn from your experiences so can you tell a bit more about your walking to listen uh, project yeah yeah i i graduated from college um back in 2011 and um still had i, I sort of thought that college would give me something that would um clarify my understanding of, of who I was and of who I wanted to be in my life. Um, but when I graduated from college, I realized I had, um, although I had learned a lot about a certain number of subjects, such as environmental policy and creative writing and things, I, I actually hadn't, it hadn't done much for me in terms of my understanding of, of my authentic self, my soul. And I was still quite lost as to what that even was and um, and what it meant to be an adult and, and to be a man and, and to really be myself. And so instead of pretending that I didn't have those questions and, and just starting a career in, in the midst of my confusion, I, I decided I would kind of lead with my uncertainties and my confusion and, and enter into um, a rite of passage which would be this walk across America. And I would try to see each person I met on, on my, on my walk as a teacher, as a, as a, as a professor, you know, as a, as a, as a guru and really ask them my questions about life and really, really try to see them with that, with those eyes of you are my teacher, you know, no matter how much I'm, I might be challenged by you or, or disagree with you or, 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 or even be scared of you. Like I, I want to see you as, as my teacher and with that kind of respect and that kind of listening. And so, so that's how it started. And um, I had a backpack full of just camping gear and, and, and just the basics, you know, I had a mandolin and uh, an audio recorder and I walked out my mother's back door outside uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And, um, and just started walking, walking the, the highways of the United States all the way down to New Orleans. Um, and then eventually all the way to Half Moon Bay near San Francisco on the Pacific Ocean. And it took about a year. And um, um, yeah, it was, it was, there's so much we could, we could discuss about it. But uh, that's, that's kind of the, the bones of it. Don't worry. And what I like about the project is that you didn't, 
reach out to famous teachers, but basically anyone could be your teacher. Yeah. So what type of, um, uh, yeah, what type of pieces of wisdom did you learn from all these uh, interactions? Yeah. Um, I think the first thing that comes to mind is, is just the, the wisdom of listening. Like what, what can happen with oneself and with an, anybody really, if one brings to it a willingness to, to listen, to really listen. And, um, yeah, I think, I think, I think the year I spent walking to listen was my initiation into the practice of listening first to myself, to, to the, to my body, to my intuition, to my heart, to my mind. Like I, I was, I spent a year basically alone, you know, I, I wasn't walking with anybody and I wasn't engaging with any of my friends or my community. I, I was, I was away from, from my familiar relationships, um, which gave me space to kind of actually begin hearing myself for the first time, you know, and I, I wasn't kind of on this agenda of, I got to do, got to get good grades in college and get a good career and get, 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 you know, it was like, it, I had some space from those things so that I, I could actually begin hearing um, what was going on inside me. And I could feel my loneliness, you know, and I could feel the the pain that I was still processing from my parents' divorce all the way back when I was 15. You know, I could begin feeling more of my humanity and, and listening to that. Mm-hmm. And then from that place, I was able to start learning about how to really feel other people and really listen in a way that let them know I was, I was hearing them and, and not, not because of what I could get from them because I was listening to them or for no other reason than to, to really receive their, the teachings of their life. Mm-hmm. And so I would, I would say that if I had to pick one thing, you know, what did I learn along the way? It was like, Oh, if, if I listen, a whole other world can open up for me um, into myself and then with you, whoever, whoever the other person is. So yeah, and, I can't stress that enough. And uh, the, the university uh, uh, and, and, and work type of um, activities. So th- do you think they prevent you from, they prevent people from listening to themselves? Um, I, I, th- I think um, I can put it this way. You know, it, it was strange to me in, in college and in university that in in the classroom, I didn't really know anything about the human beings I was I was sitting with in that room. You know, like we we spent so many hours of, of time debating each other and arguing with each other or listening to the professor, but I didn't actually know anything at all about the professor. You know, like I didn't know anything at all, really, about the human lives of the humans that I was sitting with. And it was strange to me that that was framed as an, an irrelevant aspect of my education. How could it be irrelevant? How, how could how could you say we're in the say we're in a classroom together, Jasper? And and there's the implicit notion or assumption in the way that the curriculum is being taught that Jasper 
and what Jasper is going through in his mind and heart and his human life are actually irrelevant to my, to my education. I don't need to know anything about Jasper in order for me to, to do whatever it is I'm, I'm there to do in the classroom. What else am I, what else could be more important than me getting to really know the vulnerable reality, the beautiful fullness of Jasper's humanity? What, what else could be more important than for me to get in touch with my own humanity and, and, and share that with the people who I, who I'm living with. And so, and, you know, of course we need to learn about environmental policy and creative writing and mathematics and, you know, all the things that we learn in college, but for there to be no curriculum um, around the work of really learning how to see each other as human beings and to dignify each other. Um, and what, and the pain we're going through or the realities we're trying to navigate, um, that, that did feel problematic to me. And I don't think it's, I, I think we're only just beginning to understand the ways in which our humanity, um, needs to be articulated, uh, in, in order for us to advance uh, in our own consciousness, you know, um, well, I, I agree in, in, in university or high school, the human aspects of life are not really uh, focused on. Yeah. Um, there's this initiative called the School of Life. Uh, yeah. And, and they, they, they teach you the things that you don't learn at school. Um, so you say you learn to listen uh, that year to yourself and also to others. Can you share a few examples of people that you've met and, and the teachings? Yeah. That you yeah, yeah, sure. Oh, yeah, let's see here. Hmm. So, so many people I could, I could, I could talk about. Um, the, the people that are coming to mind now are the Navajo people in, in Arizona the Diné people. And, um, um, I, I was able to have the, uh, unexpected gift of getting welcomed into the homes of, uh, almost more Navajo relatives than, than I can count, you know, like I, I, I expected to be ostracized or ignored or even potentially attacked, you know, like as a white man walking through the Navajo reservation. Um, and much to my surprise, um, I was met with a radical generosity that I, I, I couldn't really account for. I didn't understand it. You know, um, why would, why would one person after the next in, in, in Navajo nation be so kind to me and be so supportive of me when the white man has been so devastating, you know, in, in the history that we share. Uh, and so the teachings there for me were, were manifold, you know, there, there was the teaching of, Oh, wow. I'm not allowed to hate myself anymore. You know, like if, if, if these people who, you know, if anyone in the world has a right to hate, which is kind of 
up for debate. Like, does anyone have a right to hate? Like, what, what, what's that all about? But if anyone does have a right to hate, it would probably be the Native American against the white man, you know? And so when I, when I met, uh, l- when I was met with love by these people, they raised the bar for me in terms of how I need to start relating to myself and certainly to other people too. Um, so yeah, I learned that. And and then I learned that, um, there's a deeper way of connecting with one another that actually isn't defined by our conditioned identities and our historical ancestral identities. And so, although these were people of color, indigenous to North America, and although I was a white man, indigenous to Europe, uh, we were at the same time also uh, souls. You know, here we are in the soul kitchen. These were souls. And although our experiences were very different, um, there, there was also a, a way in which um, we, we were earthlings here together. You know, we were souls. We were all a part of this earth and in this mess of humanity that we call America. And, um, and, and there is a way to find each other. If, if only I approach them, if only we approach each other with, with respect. And I think listening is a demonstration of respect. And so, um, yeah, it showed me what's possible. They, they showed me what's possible. Yeah. That's beautiful. And how did you get in touch with them uh, in the first place? I was just walking, you know, so they would see me walking. People would see me all across America. People would see me on the side of the highways walk, walking. They'd see a man pushing a baby stroller with a big backpack. <laughs> and I had, I had, a, and, and it was me. And I had a sign on it that said walking to listen. And so people would say, what is, I mean, most people would just pass by, you know, and not even see me or, or maybe see me and wonder, but then some people would see me and stop and they'd say, what do you, what is this? You know, what are you doing? And so, in Navajo Nation, um, uh, someone actually told the local radio station about me. And so they interviewed me and got the word out on the Navajo radio station that, mm. that there is this young man walking through and um, he's a white man. And, you know, uh, if you see him, like, stop and say hi. And so many, many people stopped and, and, and helped me out. Yeah. That's beautiful. And this Navajo tribe, it's a Native American tribe, right? Yes. Um, did did you do certain uh, traditional ceremonies with them or rituals, or can you elaborate on that? Yeah. So, so um, I grew up with a mother who um, is a is a ceremonialist um, and welcomed me into the field of of ceremony, um, non non religious. Um, but spiritually connected ceremony work. And uh, so that wasn't entirely unfamiliar to me, but, but when I walked through the Navajo nation, that was the first time I'd ever been a part of, um, of um, uh, a, a ceremony that really resonated with, um, how would I even say it? Yeah, it, it was the first part I think I had ever been a part of a, what I would call a living ceremony. So I'd been a part of, um, you know, certain religious traditions, ceremonies that, that felt somewhat dead to me, you know, like it was sort of like a script we were following. It was, it wasn't alive per se for me. Um, 
but I was welcomed into a, a, a Native American church peyote ceremony. Um, and it was the first time I'd been a part of anything like that. And, um, and began to open my mind to what's possible. And, and although the, the peyote medicine was, um, was an important aspect of the ceremony, that wasn't the only medicine that, that was transformative for me. It's simply the medicine of sitting in a circle all night long with a bunch of other human beings sharing about our lives and our struggles together. I'm like, I didn't, I, I didn't experience church like this growing up. You know, these are yeah. people who are, who are bringing the sacred to their lives and, um, and sharing their life stories and their struggles with each other and, um, and sitting up all night long together. And wow, I didn't know we could do that. And, and everything that I was sort of longing for in college in terms of prioritizing yeah. our shared humanity, this seemed to be happening in that ceremony. So it, it, it opened my mind to the fact that actually for thousands of years, people, um, certain indigenous peoples have known how to do this with one another. And they do have the technologies, the ceremonial technologies to facilitate the exchange of the revelation of our, of our humanity. It showed you how it can be done to share the, the human experiences versus yeah. talking about yeah. uh, university subjects or career subjects. That's right. So that's one teaching. You can have the ceremonies in tribes share about the human experience. You can connect at a soul level, even though you have a different conditioned identity. Can you give another example of someone that you met and the teaching that you received from this person? Sure. Yeah, yeah. So one, one story I like to tell is about a guy in New Orleans. Um, and I was walking along and people had really warned me about walking through New Orleans. They said, it's dangerous. Don't do it. You know. Um, and whenever people warned me about, you know, people down the road, say, oh, those are like bad people, you know, don't, don't get close to them. I was always like, all right, I gotta, I gotta find out for real, you know, what's the truth about, about what's up ahead. And so I was walking through New Orleans, I was a little nervous. And this guy shouted out to me from across the road um, on the outskirts of town. And he was a white guy and standing on his porch and, and um, I crossed the road and asked, you know, said, hello. And he goes, he asked me what I'm doing. And I told him I was walking across America and that I had started up in, up in Pennsylvania, up North. And he goes, Oh, so you're a, you're an effing, you're an effing Yankee and Yankee in America means it's someone from the North and it's a reference to the civil war and the, the pain of that time. And he was a Southerner. And so he was, he just called me a curse word, you know, in his experience. And, he goes, what are you, what the F are you down, doing down here? You know? And uh, so he's kind of, he's kind of attacking me a little bit. And, um, and I go, all right, I'm not, I'm not trying to have any problems, you know, and I'm, I'm just here to listen. And if that's not something you want to do. That's okay. You know, I tried to keep the door of my heart open to him, but also began to, you know, walk away. And I think he felt my sincerity. Um, and I think he felt, the possibility of connection between us because as I started walking away, he goes, Hey, Hey, wait. And I turned around and I go, yeah. He goes, do you like beer? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. He goes, do, you, do you want one? So something shifted for him. You know, I think my refusal to close the door but to take care of myself 
So he reached out and eventually um, he invited me into his home. And so I, I go into his home and um, just want to acknowledge, you know, a part of what made my trip possible is the fact that I do inhabit certain identities that make it easier for me to, to take a risk like that, you know? So I, I'm in a male body, you know, and I have white skin and um, that, that is a passport into, into certain experiences that would be more difficult or dangerous to access as a person of color or a female bodied person or, um, you know, a number of identities that would make it challenging in certain ways, but I'm, I'm using the privilege to try and find a deeper truth with this man. And eventually we sit down at his table and the more listening he feels coming from me, like the more he chooses to trust me. Mm-hmm. And eventually he tells me, he reveals to me that he, he once had a son who would have been about my age at that time and that his son had died and that he had to bury his son. Oh, and it was such, you know, over the course of just 30 minutes or so, we, we had gone on a journey together where he presented himself to me as this aggressive sort of brutal a uh, monster of a man who was like yelling at me and, and, and cursing at me and threatening me. Um, and then, you know, 30, 30 minutes later, 45 minutes later, we're sitting down at his table and he's revealing to me the ways in which his heart had been broken, the ways in which he'd been wounded in, in his human journey. Mm. And it helped me understand, oh, wow, like this man, this man is a man in pain. You know, and I'm only just beginning, I'm only just beginning to see this man's pain. Um, he's, he's beginning to tell me the story of his pain and his pain is certainly influencing how he presents himself to people, you know? Um, and so the teaching there for me was when, when someone is treating me with, with disrespect, it's probably because they're in pain. You know, or or when someone is annoying or unconscious or 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 or, or leak, leaking pain or harm out into a situation, it's probably because they're they're suffering. And it may not look like it or it may not be palatable. I, I may not like it or or like them, but I learned to see what's underneath that, you know, and instead of hating them for it, I, I learned to to identify it for what it was and, and begin to have compassion, even if I didn't know what the story was. Mm. So it, it helps you to be more compassionate towards people. It did. Yeah. Hearing, hearing how someone has suffered, I think is, is helpful in, um, in seeing them a little bit more clearly, even if, and this is difficult, but even if they've, even if they've hurt me, you know, like understanding, understanding helps it may not take away my hurt you know but it it helps me refrain from uh hating them in turn which in the end only hurts me like Mm -hmm. when i hate somebody when i hate somebody like that that hurts me most of all but yeah that's a beautiful example and i'm wondering was suffering a big theme of your entire walk because when you say i'm walking to listen you invite people to share 
Yeah. Found out that many people suffer maybe more than you realized before. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the big elephant in the room, you know, like <laughs> in, in our society, in our globalized society, our, our westernized society is like the elephant in the room is we, we are all experiencing um, our own version of, of suffering, you know, uh, no matter what identity we're born into, like suffering is, is a part of this human experience. And we live in a situation that stigmatizes our suffering such that we are ashamed to speak about it because we think it makes us weak or we think it makes a, we think we think we're not allowed to suffer because I'm so privileged. And so, you know, who am I to talk about my suffering or, um, or it's so ghastly and it's so awful and it's so bad that no one would ever want to hear about it. And I should keep it to myself. There's a big elephant in the room yeah. that, it is called our humanity, um, which includes our suffering and our vulnerability. And we, there's this taboo about, about um, speaking plainly and openly about mm -hmm. what that's like for, for us individually and, and respectively. And what would happen if we, uh, if we started naming the elephant in the room personally, not, not as a concept, you know, here we're kind of talking in concepts right now, but, what if in our relationships, you know, I was able to share with you uh, personally about what it was like to navigate the difficulties and challenges of my life, you know? I like how you see, how you say that as a society, suffering is stigmatized. And yeah. um, for me, I also recognize the privilege part. It's something I feel I'm too, too privileged. To, yeah, to, I should not have suffered. I should not suffer, but I also suffer right. sometimes. So I recognize the shame part. And can you tell a bit more um, uh, about your uh, your work, also with Good Medicine Collective, with ceremony yeah. you do, and to what extent that also has to do with suffering? Yeah, yeah. So a part of what I do now, yeah, I, I, I took that walk 10 years ago, and the past 10 years have, have been sort of an integration of, of that experience. And how do I take, how do I, how do I, take that space of listening that I learned about with, with hundreds of people across the continent of, of North America, how do I take that listening space and, and bring it into, into, into normal life? You know, um, how, how do we find those portals uh, with one another that can take us into um, a deeper connection with, with ourselves, our humanity, our suffering and our, and our community. And, And, and so a part of that for me has been ceremony work, um, the likes of which I first encountered um, on the Navajo reservation. And um, I've actually, um, a year or two after my walk, came into contact with uh, a Diné. Diné is the Navajo word for Navajo, just to mm -hmm. clarify, it's called Diné. And so I, I came into contact with a Diné man named Daryl Slim, who became a mentor of mine in ceremony mm -hmm. work. And um, And studying with him and taking that walk eventually led to um, this work I now do with the Good Medicine Collective in Portland, Maine, um, to create group spaces um, like ceremonies um, or like listening circles and integration circles that invite um, people, myself included, to 
risk sharing a little bit more uh, of our hearts and to create a new culture and an ancient or to rediscover an ancient culture in which the fullness of, of our humanity is more welcome and uh, indeed required in order for us to um, connect and, and, and find health together. So yeah, we do different kinds of work like that at Good Medicine. And I'm, I'm a part of a number of offerings that um, invite people into, into the medicine of who, who they really are and of who we really are together. And because um, when I think about the ceremony, uh, like a wedding, for instance, a ceremony. Yeah. But yeah. only since a few years, I, I've gotten to know the, the ceremony work you're talking about. I spent two months yeah. in Costa Rica where I've done some yep. ceremonies. Yeah. But can you explain to someone that never has done any ceremony, like pra practically what, what yeah. it actually is, how it looks like, uh, why yeah. people will participate? Yeah, yeah. So, so there are all different kinds of ceremonies from different um, different traditions, uh, different indigenous traditions and lineages across the world. Some of them involve um, different plant medicines and, and psychedelic medicines. Um, some of them don't. Uh, the intention is going to be different for for all of them and for for everyone involved. Um, Uh, what I can say about my own experience of this kind of ceremony is, is that um, each person is entering into a circle, uh, a, a, a consciously held space and facilitated space that is that's um, that a, a leader or a group of leaders are, are are facilitating and holding, and whether it's with medicine or not. And when I say medicine, whether it's with a, a psychedelic plant medicine or or not, the in, the intention for me is always to um, uh, use the medicine of the plant or of being simply being together with other people in that mindful space to learn more about who I am and and to do that in the presence of other people who are also learning more about who they really are. Mm -hmm. um, And what I love, have loved working with my mentor is that he actually emphasizes it's not, it's not about, you know, taking some mind altering substance that's going to blast you off into some other experience and make you feel better or, or, you know, um, impress you with a certain kind of experience. It's, it's not about that. It's, it's actually about tuning into the medicine of, of who you, who you are. You know, we are the medicine, each yeah. of us. Um, and so ceremony work for me is the work of beginning to excavate the experiences that I've lived, that you've lived, that create our humanity mm -hmm. to touch those experiences and start telling the story of those experiences and to heal together. It's yeah. about healing, to heal together. Uh, it is it's beautiful so i came to maine uh, for two ceremonies and um uh, tangibly i quit drinking afterwards and i i found more home into myself so these are two very tangible uh, results i'm very grateful that i joined and um a question that i have do people often come with a specific purpose or specific thing they want to change or do people often also come for just a very open experience to see what happens Yeah, I, I think I think so many so many reasons 
people come for uh, different kinds of ceremonies. Um, some people have very clear intentions, you know, to, to, to shed an addiction or to deepen their relationship with their partner or, or to have an experience of whatever they think the divine might be, you know, sort of like a curiosity about uh, what is reality and, and, and what is love and, a more more sort of existential approach so so many reasons um maybe to build community together mm-hmm. um and all of that said you know holding the intention lightly is is something uh we encourage because um what i've come to see in my own ceremonial work is that i actually i may think i know what's what's drawing me to to a ceremony mm-hmm. but i i i i never actually know what's going to come up, come come through you know mm-hmm. i don't know how i'm going to be changed and and that's what makes it a journey like yeah. on a journey on a on a journey a true journey you don't know who you're going to be on the other side of it yeah. and that that's the that's the case if if we're able to be honest with ourselves, courageous enough to be honest with ourselves. That's the truth is we don't know who we're going to be when we pass through the transformational threshold of, of a ceremony, regardless mm-hmm. of, of what that ceremony is, is like. And um, to just be open about um, the sincerity of our, our, of our intention to be there and then to kind of let go of um, how it might change us, you know, be open to so, that. So you need to be open because you never know what you yeah, what will come to you um but no that's 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 clear so there's a there's a variety of reasons why people join uh join the ceremony another question i have is many people have certain dreams to maybe take some time out for a specific yeah. thing, like you've done walking through america but many people perceive it as risky right maybe i don't make money yeah. maybe i don't maybe i lose time yeah. but if you look back at your life what has it brought you that you slowed down you took time you take yeah. a year out to to just talk to people yeah. what has it brought yeah. you yeah i think i think the main thing it's brought me um is it was an experience of becoming very sensitive to to my own truth you know my own soul, my own self. I, I had a whole year to really become sensitive to my myself. And so the gift of that and the challenge of that is that now that I had an experience of really following my own gut and my own heart first, it made it much more difficult for me to override my sensitivities in exchange for some external um, agenda, someone else saying, Oh no, you should get a job or you should do this, or you should make money or, or you should, you should some external voice saying you should do this. Um, that became much more difficult to accept, um, which was a blessing because to be connected to myself is, is ultimately what I want. But the, the challenge of that is that, um, you know, following my own truth 
doesn't always make sense, you know, to my mind. Or isn't does isn't it doesn't always seem like a viable business plan, you know what I mean? <laughs> how am I gonna how am I gonna, you know, support myself and um, you know, can I trust that I'll find a place to sleep at night? Can I trust that I'll I'll be able to pay my rent, you know? Um can I can I keep trusting? And so, you know, to be sensitive to to myself is frightening because it doesn't always make sense. Um, but it feels much better than, um, violating my own, my own boundaries to, in order to be obedient to an external agenda. Um, So you got in touch with your own truth and afterwards it was more difficult to, to get out of your own truth. So you, 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 you you find yourself in that way. I could, yeah, I, I could feel it, you know, sense sensitivity. It's like, I, I could sense, I became a little bit better at sensing. I still have to work on this, you know, but uh, I, I became a little more um, skilled at sensing what was actually true for me, yeah. whether it's in a relationship, a personal relationship, a professional relationship, or any decision at all. I could became a little bit more tuned into, Oh, this, this is what I want, or, or actually this doesn't feel good. And I, I can't say yes to that, you know? Yeah. But from a distance, it sounds like you follow your heart, you write, you listen, you do ceremonies, and that you really trust life. And yeah. not everyone can do that. But for instance, do you sometimes have financial worries or, or practical worries, or or are you in a in a different league that you don't have these uh, these things? No, no, I, I, yeah, I, I, especially in the last few years, have gone through a pretty pretty intense period of, of worry and anxiety and fear and doubt. Um, and the choice to stay true to myself continues to be a challenging one, you know, like it's, I'm not walking across America anymore, but in some ways it's, it's even more difficult to, to stay true to myself in the midst of, um, some of the doubts that come. And so, no, no, I don't, I don't want to present any kind of romantic notion that I'm, that I don't have, (laughs) uh concerns you know i I definitely do um and so which 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 is why it's such a radical choice to be true to yourself yeah because it it doesn't you know you don't there's no guarantee you don't have i don't have um the kind of security that i'd like to have however i i have the security that comes from knowing that i'm being as true to myself as i can possibly be which no 401k can replace you know Um, that's beautiful so it's not guaranteed to be easy but uh to follow your own truth and um soul kitchen is also about uh, recipes for life so if people listen to this and they want to come one step closer to their own truth but they're not not sure what to do next yeah um, what is your recommendation like where should people start yeah i i would encourage them i would encourage whoever that is um not to try and get out of whatever it is they're in right now, whether it's a job they're unhappy with or a relationship they're unhappy with or a way of life they're unhappy with. I would say once you awaken to the fact that you're, you're unhappy with something or something needs to change. Great. Like stay. Okay, great. You've, you've awakened to that. Now don't rush out of it. Don't be too quick to, to run, run away from it. You, you, find, you find yourself here for a reason. So 
so so great you've awakened to that now 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 pause and really see if you can feel and experience what it's like to be in this muck to be in this or to be in this pain don't try to run away from the pain i really feel it really let yourself uh and and find ways to support yourself to to fully experience what you have gotten yourself into and trust that in opening to this experience um it will slowly start to change on its own you you don't need to um uh change your name or change your religion or or go to some ceremony or go to some retreat like and, and maybe that'll happen but trust that the the awakening to yourself in in this moment of realizing whoa i'm i'm actually the truth is i'm actually unhappy or the truth is i'm actually suffering here good good now feel feel what's here for you um feel what's here for you and when you have felt everything you need to feel from being addicted to alcohol or addicted to this unhealthy relationship when you've really consciously let yourself feel the pain of that it will naturally change mm. on its own that's beautiful so whenever you're unhappy you want to change something don't move out of it too fast but first yeah. really feel it go through it before before it changes and then maybe slowly it, it, it will change yeah there's a, there's a line that you can remember it's from rainier maria rilke the the poet he, he said uh um em, embrace embrace your solitude and sing out with the pain it causes you Yeah. So solitude as an example. So embrace your solitude, embrace your unhappy marriage, embrace your um, challenging job that, that feels like it's killing your soul em embrace your solitude and sing out with the pain it causes you feel, feel that pain, really, really touch it and understand it and find the people who can hear you sing the song of it, the song mm -hmm. of your humanity. Find those people and, and the support you need, because we're going to need support to feel these things, uh, to then to feel that and sing out and create something beautiful with, uh, with the pain it causes you. But that's a beautiful piece of advice. And I think in our ceremony, you've done that with me, right? That we spent some mm -hmm. time on, on my relationship with alcohol, really analyzed mm -hmm. it, the, the nice adventures that I've had, the challenges, mm -hmm. how it makes me mm -hmm. feel. Yeah. And we spend a good amount of time on that. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. in a temple. Thank you for your great advice. I think you have to uh, to go, isn't I it? I do. Thank you, Jasper. Oh, such a such a joy to be yeah. in conversation with you. Yeah. Thank you for sharing yeah. this. And uh, maybe in the future we will have um, version two, uh, like with some follow-up yeah. with them. But for now, thank you very much. Would love that. Thanks, Jasper. All right. See you later. And thanks for listening, people. Later.